I'm excited about this series. We're in the series right now called Upside Down, and it's a series on the Beatitudes. And it's, it's kind of like this, what you be like with your attitude. You know what I'm saying? And so what you be like with your attitude. And we're going to dive into that. I'm going to cover a couple of the Beatitudes tonight, the one on peacemaking and the merciful. But I want you to pray with me just for a moment as we dive in tonight. He wants to touch your heart. God, I just lift up this time and invite you, Holy Spirit, just to move. Let your word right now come alive. Your logos just manifest it, rhema. Breathe upon us, God. Let it bring life-changing transformation, rejuvenation of our hearts, God. Renew our minds tonight according to your word in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. I want to talk to you about the edited life the edited life. My, my beautiful wife is a author, and uh, I know that people edit her books. I mean, there's editors. And how many know that we have an editor of our life? His name is Jesus. He comes in and edits our life. He comes and put a punctuation where there needs to be one, or correction, a, a period, exclamation. Jesus comes and he edits. He really brings changes to our lives in a very, very powerful way. And he backs it by his love because of his mercy and his grace toward us. For example, you are guilty. How many of you know there's not a person in this room that's not guilty? Every, you, you all guilty. I don't care how cute you are. I don't care how long you've been in church 50 years. You're guilty. But he edits it and says you're forgiven. That's how he edits. You were used and abused, and now you're new. You were rejected, and now you're loved and accepted of the beloved. He loves you with an everlasting love and unfailing love. That's how he edits our life. He corrects our life. He is the editor of our lives. He brings everything. He's the alpha and the omega. You're not. You're not. You didn't start it. You won't finish it. The thing that he begun in you, he'll finish it. Because he begun it, he'll finish it. You take way too much credit for your life. Your, your, your heart's not beating because of you right now. You're not breathing because you're going, breathe, 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 breathe. He's the editor. We have to be edited for an upside-down kingdom toward a king who rules and reigns in an upside-down kingdom. All the Beatitudes, eight of the Beatitudes, they're all blessings like the poor in spirit. Craig did a beautiful job last week in that area. The blessed are those who mourn and the meek and hunger and thirst for righteousness and the pure and on and on persecuted. And I want to touch on uh, a few tonight, what Beatitudes is about so that you know you're not, oh, it's just a cute little section of sermon. It's all about this Jesus. It's all about the king of, of, of the upside down kingdom. It's all about the editor. The Beatitudes are the ways of Christ living. They're not just a, a cute sermon. The Beatitudes, it's like nails in the coffin of your old man. Okay? Like, okay, lust, bring the hammer out, bam! 
purity don't knock that nail back out. The Beatitudes is a sermon to bring change to your life. It's the way that we're to live. It's to be like Jesus. It's, it's the new life. It's a sermon of repentance. It's to change the way that we think. The sermon, it edits our ways. It says this in Matthew 4, 19, before, right before the Beatitudes, Jesus doesn't talk a lot at all in Matthew, and, and you'll see these code reds. He said, he said to them, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men, right? Just bam. That's beautiful. When you're following Jesus, guess what happens? He, 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 he leads right into the eight blessings, the Beatitudes, because when you're following Jesus, this is what it's going to look like. This is how your life's going to change. Our life should line up to some great degree with the Beatitudes. Are you following me? You got that. I mean, this, you should be very passionate about the Beatitudes and not just read over all, those are cool, cute, eight blessings. No, it's a sermon from the king of the upside-down kingdom that wants you to begin thinking upside-down and transform your mind, renew your mind according to his word, not the ways of this world. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. A metamorphosis God wants to do inside of all of us. And here's a beautiful picture of a sermon of metamorphosis, really changing the way that we think. One of them I'm going to talk about for a few minutes here is Matthew 5, 7. Blessed are the merciful. Guess what happens if you're merciful? They shall obtain mercy. How many of you need mercy in this room? So you better have your hand up, double hand. You better stand up. You better be jumping. I need mercy. There's not a person in this room that doesn't need mercy. Every day. Grace is getting something that you don't deserve. Just go with me for a minute. Grace is getting something that you don't deserve. We use grace all the time. We kind of water it down. Just like, oh, I'll say grace. and No, grace is something that you don't deserve. I don't deserve the love of Jesus, but he gave it to me because of his grace. I don't deserve forgiveness, but he gave it to me because of who he is, because he's the editor of my life. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not of your doing. It's not of your doing, man. Get rid of the pride, the arrogance, like you got something to do with it. He found you. He saved you. He did it all. He did all the heavy lifting. It is a gift of God, not a result of works. Huge difference between religion and relationship with Jesus Christ. Huge difference. Christianity is about a relationship, not religion. It goes on to say, so that no one can boast Salvation is an absolutely free gift that God is giving you and me. Grace is getting something you don't deserve. Mercy. Not getting what we deserve. Not getting what you deserve. you got to feel it. A little, little, little different there. Mercy is not getting 
what you deserve. Ephesians 2, 4 through 5. But God, being rich, look at that, I love that, rich in mercy. He loves to show mercy. Rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us. Man, if we could all just be able to open our hearts and our brains and just be able to obtain God's love he, he has for us, it would be life-changing. We get kind of like a trickle effect of it, honestly. And it goes on to say, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace we have been saved. Mercy looks like this. I deserve death. Period. But mercy said no. I deserve to snap, crackle, pop in hell. And guess what? Guess what? You ain't going to like this. And so do you. J.O., I, 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 I don't really need mercy, J.O. You think way too highly of yourself. You, wow, need mercy. I deserve hell, period, but God's mercy. Let me give you an example of mercy, Old Testament mercy. And you could look at this and go, well, no, he really, because this guy was a complete total set. I hope to preach on him sometime just to compare Daniel and Jesus of how, you, there, I mean, there was no one that really spoke any evil of Daniel. I mean, he was a complete total stud and how he was brought before authority, how he was thrown into the lion's den, how kind of the gate or rock was pushed up. All the comparisons of Daniel and Jesus is pretty amazing. We like to use this as a, kind of a kid's story. It's way bigger than a kid's story. Though use it in kid's church. Amen. But you see a beautiful picture of God's mercy with Daniel. So the king puts out a new law. And let me read it for a minute. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. What was the, the, new, the new law or writing? Was that, man, you can't pray to any other God. And guess what Daniel does? And in his upper room with his windows open, listen, it didn't matter if he was in a Muslim nation or whatever. He's got the windows wide open. He doesn't care, right? And toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his look, custom since early days. You know why Daniel was not scared at all of lions and dying? Because he had a prayer life. He was courageous. Courage just isn't. Courage is developed, and man, that guy prayed three times a day, and of course he got turned in, and and uh, you know the the king didn't want to have to do this, but the king had to keep his word, and he throw he throws him into the lion's den, and you may think, well, maybe the lions just wasn't hungry that night. Maybe the lions are fasting. That's not what happened. Somebody say mercy. Because to be honest with you, Daniel broke the law of the land. Not the law of God, but he broke the law of the land. And you know what took place? The angels of God shut 
the mouths of the lions. Right? That's mercy. Now, listen to this. To show you that they are real lions, they was not on the fast and they were very hungry. Those that turned them in got thrown in there and they chomped them down as soon as they got us in the pit. Just ate them alive. God's mercy was shown toward Daniel and he was shown toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire with them. Mercy toward David's life and so forth and so on. I did something very unique. I got a story today from a very good friend of mine, a son in the Lord. I'm going to read the story. I'm not going to tell you who it is. Some of you that's been around here, you're going to pick up real soon who it is. Some of you have never been around. You might be surprised at who it is. I don't typically do this. It's a little long. Can I get your undivided attention? Here we go. After stealing thousands of dollars from a bank, I gave my life back to Jesus. I confessed to the crime I'd committed and faced the consequences. It took almost two years for the court system to start my trial. I had surrendered to this thought and was told by the lawyer that I would most certainly be spending time in jail. The normal sentence for this offense were around 10 years, and because I had prior offenses for drugs, possibly time was going to be much more um, sure. After going through the process of court appearances, I finally came to the day of my sentencing. The prosecutor uh, that spent time behind bars and told the judge I was pulling the wool over everyone's eyes. As the judge began to speak, I couldn't believe my ears. His name was Judge Marsh, and he was a born-again believer. He looked at me and he said, there is no difference going into a bank with a gun and holding the tiller up and taking the money the way that you did. He took thousands. And they both, they, uh, I'm sorry, they are both theft. But today, mercy triumphs over judgment. And judgment you deserve, you will not receive. He then downgraded my offense to a misdemeanor and gave me five years probation and required me to make restitution for the money I took. Judge Marsh then had me turn around and face my family and friends. There were in the room he, and said, uh, that were in the room, and he said, never forget the people who have helped you. As I faced back towards the judge, there was not a dry eye in the room. Even the court recorder typing the minutes for the court was in tears. Judge Marsh then looked at me and quoted Micah 6, 8. He has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. A few, I was in this young man's life during this time, and I remember whenever he would have to go take pee test, because take drug test, because if it, it was the color that showed up, uh, he would say, man, J.R., I got to go, I got to, you know, it's, my, it's silver today, I got to go take this test. A few years ago, I had the opportunity to call Judge Marsh's office. His assistant asked her the phone, and I explained to her who I was. I said, almost 20 years ago, I was in Judge Marsh's courtroom, and he showed me great mercy. I told her that because of that moment, I was now whew, a pastor in Arizona, leading a church, and bringing others into my situation to Jesus. 
This single act of mercy has impacted my life, my family's life, and hundreds of souls that now are benefiting from the amazing mercy. Mercy does not just impact a life, but the ripple effect of an act of mercy is felt everywhere that life touches. Praise God for his incredible life-changing mercy that triumphs over judgment we deserve. Who that is, is Joe Tuttle, our youth pastor that used to be here, his wife Kirsten, and they are our first church plant in Goodyear, Idaho. I mean, Goodyear, Arizona. And so God showed mercy upon his life, and he paid back every dime. I just thought, wow, God loves to show mercy. He showed mercy to everyone in this room. That was like just amazing mercy. I mean, he thought he was going to maybe get 10 years. Lamentations 3.22 through 23 says, Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. I love that. Because if it wasn't for God's mercy... I'd be smoked, consumed, eternal damnation, left behind. Because of his compassions fell not, they are new. Look, look, you had a bad day yesterday? Guess what? His mercies are new every morning. Every morning. You don't burn him out. He doesn't add things up. His mercies are new Great is your faithfulness, O Lord, my Father. Great is his faithfulness. Every morning his mercies are new every day. I want to talk to you just for a moment about unsanctified mercy. There is an unsanctified mercy. You say, what in the world would that be? There are situations, because I believe there's always a radical middle, and you need to know that there's a balance in the kingdom of God. What is, un, what is what I consider unsanctified mercy? Sometimes we show mercy when there should be correction and discipline and possibly even rebuke. But because of fear, we show mercy and it increases the situation and the problem. Shelling out money knowing it's going toward an addiction is not mercy. Listen to me real good. If you're doing that as a parent, you need to stop it. Or for a buddy or a friend and you think it's mercy, it is unsanctified mercy. It is called enablement. And you could destroy that person. Let that person go through 10 days of cold turkey, whatever they need to stinking do, and quit belling them out with unsanctified mercy. Enabling people to live in sin and will destroy their lives and other lives around them. When I fell into steroid addiction after being water baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, loving Jesus, justify it, God showed mercy to me. But I'm going to tell you right now, he took me absolutely to the woodshed. You can say whatever you want. I can tell you my own testimony of the woodshed. And there was a season that I didn't go into the gym. I didn't even want to walk in front of the gym that I had managed at one time. Unsanctified mercy. 
Knowing, you knowing that someone is hurting a child and you hide it, you turn your eye, you, you, you turn your, your, your face, your ear away from that because you're like, well, I'm just going to show them mercy. That is not mercy. That is an unsanctified, ungodly situation that you need, if it's in your hands to stop, you need to stop it. The Bible says, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better, somebody say better, better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and be drowned into the depths of the sea. You want to know what Jesus thinks about you hurting a child? I just read it. That's cold red Jesus. Are you feeling me? Proverbs 20, 28 says, mercy and truth preserve the king and the throne is upheld by mercy. God builds his throne on mercy. Here at Heart of the City Church, we are always, listen to me, we're going to lean toward mercy. I hope that that gets on you. Every person in this room, we're going to build Heart of the City Church on mercy. And occasionally, we have to rebuke, discipline, and correct we're going to do everything we can to extend mercy. But sometimes you have to show love in a very much harder way in order for them not to destroy their lives. Everyone say, blessed are the merciful. For you will obtain mercy. Thank you. Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Sons of God. This doesn't tell us how to be born again. Oh, Beatitudes is teaching you how to be born again. No, it says, if you are a son of God, guess what? If you're a daughter of God, guess what you're going to be? You're going to be a peacemaker. I want you to hear that real good. Say that with me, peacemaker. God will cause each one of us through the transforming power, the rejuvenation of our hearts and spirit, that each one of us can be peacemakers. He wants you and I to be a peacemaker. I don't know what it was like in your school but all of a sudden, in my school in South Carolina, if there was a fight, everybody knew it. Fight! 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 And <laughs> was, was that like anybody else's school? We had an open campus. We walked outside to every one of our classes. We could pretty much leave. And man, when there was a fight, it was on like Donkey Kong. We're drawn to fights. But God wants to change our hearts and our lives, that we would be peacekeepers, not gossipers, not backbiters, but our, we would change every life around us. Let me, let me give you the, here's a scripture that is the opposite of a peacekeeper. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause division and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons, avoid them. Look at that. You mean there's a brother or sister in the church that's doing... The Bible says avoid them. If you're avoided all the time, there might be a reason people are avoiding you. I'm just saying. I don't know. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery, they, de they deceive the hearts... Uh, of the naive. This is Jesus. I want you to know Jesus is about peace. Jesus is for peace. 
This is what the Bible says about Jesus and peace. For he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our inequities. The chastisement for our peace. He was chastened for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. There's a whole lot about that right there. God shows mercy, and he wants to heal us. He's a merciful God that wants to heal. He's a merciful God that wants to save. Listen to me. He was chastened that we could walk in peace. Here's another beautiful scripture that shows you that Jesus is for peace. Isaiah 9, 6 for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called, listen, this is his name, Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Come on, go with me, church. Go with me, go with me. Prince of Peace. He is for peace. Guess what happens when you are led by the Spirit of the living God? When you're led by the Spirit of God, guess what you produce? You produce fruit of the Spirit. What is the fruit of the Spirit? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Come on, come on. Love, joy, peace, peace long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against there is no law. God is for peace. Now, let me talk about just for a moment. You need to hear this. There's a difference between peacemakers and peacekeepers. Blessed are the peacemakers. Didn't say peacekeepers. I've been in great difficult meetings at times, listen to me real good. And I said in this room, two people don't want to come to the table because they want to keep peace. They want to keep peace. They're not concerned about being a peacemaker. They want to keep peace. But there is no peace because there's an offense and they're not willing to deal with an offense because they're fearful so they want to keep peace instead of make peace. They crawl in a corner, they say nothing, fearful, weak leadership equals peacekeepers. Doesn't call us to be peacekeepers. He calls us to be peacemakers. Which will accomplish real true peace is strong leadership and being ones that's willing to make peace instead of always crawling in a corner, not saying anything, oh, I'm just going to keep peace. He wants us to be peacemakers. Listen to this powerful scripture. I think it's for everyone in this room. Romans 12, 18. I want you to say this with me, if possible. Say that with me again. If possible. Thank you. One more time. If possible, so far as it depends upon you, live peaceably with all. Now, it says this in the beginning, if possible. Sometimes it ain't possible. Let me show you the difference between my opinion of peace 
keeping and peacemaking. All of a sudden, your boyfriend wants to have sex with you. Are you going to be a peacekeeper or a peacemaker? You give in, you bow, you have sex with him, you're a little peacekeeper. But if you go, no, I'm not, that's, that's against the law of God. I'm not having sex with you. Guess what? You're making peace. Now he's ticked off. That's all right. Let him be ticked off. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Come on, girl. Be a peacemaker. Don't be a peacekeeper. Forget that. You tell me, here's a, another peacemaker, peacekeeper. You tell me I have to agree with a lifestyle that is anti-Bible. Jail, you, you, you need to agree with me. Just because you're going to hurt me if you don't agree with me. Well, what, what do I need to agree with you about? Well, homosexuality is right. It's okay. You need to say it's right. Uh, if possible. <laughs> that ain't possible. Uh, J.O., it's abortion's okay. If possible. But that ain't possible. Uh, adultery's okay, J.O. I mean, we've been married. I've been divorced, been married, divorced. You know, I'm 60 years old. I'm going to have sex. If possible. But that's impossible for me. Living in fornication. Y'all know what fornication is? Everybody know what fornication is? That's an old school word. Fornication is having sex outside of wedlock. If you're having sex outside of wedlock, guess what you're doing? You're living in sin. If possible. That's not possible for me. Why? Because it's against the word of God. If possible, if possible, I'm going to at all keep peace with everyone but in those situations it ain't possible so I'm going to be a peacemaker instead of peacekeeper are you following me here's some beautiful areas that you can that for me is possible if you can sit down and work out an offense between two parties that's possible be a peacemaker if you can forgive someone from the heart, that's peacemaking. If you can stay pure, whew, that's peacemaking. If you say in your heart, I don't have to have it my way. I know my way is right. I, I absolutely know that. But you know what? I'm going to die to myself and I'm going to let you have your way. I can be a peacemaker. I can choose peacemaking over peacekeeping as long as I'm not sinning and it's not my integrity that I'm surrendering. Are you a peacemaker or a peacekeeper? You need to answer that because one's blessed and I don't know about the other one. Blessed are the peacemakers. They will be sons of God. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy.